Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 291st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that. To be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You are a way to Worthy, Worthy 5, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here once again with you guys today. Told you last week when we were getting ready for the UConn game that moving forward, whenever Hubert Davis... Uh, meets with the media. I'll come on here and recap that press conference, play some of his big talking points, and give my thoughts and opinions on that. And uh, He met with the media on Thursday ahead of Carolina's game on Saturday with Kentucky in Atlanta in the CBS Sports Classic. So we're going to run through uh, some of the major talking points that the head coach of Carolina basketball discussed uh, with the media. I've also got some updated just kind of news and notes and background history of Carolina in the CBS Sports Classic and in the game in the rivalry with Kentucky. But before we get to any of that, we start every edition of the pod as we always do, the pod thought of the day. And we go to former Carolina basketball player um, and longtime coach in the NBA, one of the winningest coaches in the history of the association, George Carl. Um, And his quote is, Every day we are going to fight lazy and soft. It's completely unacceptable. You have to be demanding. I'm pretty sure over the course of the history of the pod, um, we've used this quote. Because it's it's, it's a really good one. Um, And I think it really applies with where Hubert Davis is in in one particular area of his team. And we're going to spend a lot of time uh, talking about that here in just a minute. Um, and I think it's a sign of maturation for Hubert Davis that he's getting comfortable in his own skin, demanding his guys to do certain th- certain things to earn playing time. Um, and, you know, it, the first year it was 
really, really difficult for him to navigate that type of water. Um, he, we saw it really uh, up close last year with, with last year's group. Not the case this year. You've seen him take players out when they haven't given effort, when they haven't executed what he wants them to execute. Um, and I think it's an, a, a big reason why this team hasn't looked as soft and they haven't played as lazily and as lackadaisical um, as they have his first two years as Carolina's head coach. Um, and so with that, we'll now transition into uh, some of those stats I have for you guys um, regarding Carolina and the CBS Sports Classic. Um, just some, you know, just a little further dive into what than what we gave you in the uh, the official Kentucky preview. But um, Carolina is six and three in the event. Um, they're three and zero all time against the Ohio State, two and zero against UCLA. But they're just one and three against the opponent this time around. That being the uh, Kentucky Wildcats. This year's CBS Sports Classic is in its seven different seventh different home. Um, as it lands now in Atlanta at State Farm Arena. And this is Carolina's first trip back to that venue since the 2012 ACC tournament where Carolina went 2-1, and one, having lost in the ACC tournament final that year um, to Florida State. So, you know, this place isn't the Omni. It doesn't have the historical impact that, um, you know, you look at the 80s and the 90s of ACC basketball where some of the greatest ACC uh, tournament games were ever played were played in that venue. But um, expect Carolina, like Kentucky, to be well represented um, in, uh, in, in Atlanta on Saturday afternoon, even though the game will be in SEC country. Speaking of the history uh, with Kentucky, uh, we mentioned this in the preview. Um, Carolina 25-17 and 17 all-time against the Wildcats, including 13-7 and 7, um, on neutral floors, including 2-0 and 0 against Kentucky and Atlanta. And you're probably, you're probably wondering, when did Carolina play Kentucky on a neutral court in Atlanta? You go all the way back to the late, you know, the early 1920s into the 1930s when these two teams were a part of the old Southern Conference. Um, that's where neutral, you know, that that's where their their conference tournaments were held back then. Um, and then so Carolina earned two wins over Kentucky um, way back when, but albeit on a neutral court in Atlanta. And how about this stat? Carolina is the only school in all of Division One men's college basketball that has played Kentucky at least 10 times and has a winning percentage against the Wildcats. It's pretty impressive stuff. Um, and I think it just really speaks volumes to how Carolina does stack up against, uh, you know, another Blue Blood. You could argue that, you know, these are two of the three best basketball programs in the sport. Um, with Kansas maybe, prob- with Kansas probably being the third, Duke has a strong argument um UCLA is in there same with Indiana but there's a reason why they're called blue bloods you got to have blue in your color scheme Carolina certainly does and so do the Wildcats as you know the baby blue will meet big blue this weekend down in Atlanta well now let's get to the reason why we're here uh for this edition of the podcast and that's to hear from the head coach of the Tar Heels that's Hubert Davis and he was asked about what lessons they learned from that loss the last time out against UConn. The rebounding, 
<laughs> What's I guess like specifically? No, <laughs> um, boxing out. No, um, getting those 50-50 uh, rebounds, loose balls around the free throw line area, being tough enough to make contact first. Um, consistently going to the offensive glass, um, getting second chance opportunities, putting us in a position to get multiple ways to score. Um, those are the things, you know, from from the UConn game. But, you know, after the UConn game, was, you know, we looked at the tape and then how can we improve, how can we get better this over this week? And then it's been focused on preparing for Kentucky. I think if there's one thing that we've learned so far with, with Coach is that he's going to be brutally honest, he's going to be uh, very direct, and he's not going to hold anything back. And, um, you know, I think – we we've talked about this after the loss, and when we got we, we when we got back together earlier in the week to examine the start to the season, there's there was a lot of negative feelings coming out of the loss to UConn, and I get it. I mean, it was a big time game, um, and you want like you know we we want to win those games, and frankly, we're accustomed to winning those games. Carolina fell short, but they learned. Along the way, the areas that they got to get better. And, you know, that 10-day layoff couldn't have come at a better time for them to kind of regroup, kind of regroup catch their breath, identify the areas that they got to get better at. Um, rebounding is one. Um, being, you know, more aggressive, creating turnovers, converting off of turnovers, getting second-chance point opportunities, being locked in defensively for the entire possession. Um, and we talked about it. UConn might be the best team right now in, in, in the country. And they got to another level that, that Carolina didn't get to that night. But I think Carolina is more than capable of getting to if they continue to grow and progress as the season moves along. Speaking of the UConn loss, the rebounding was something that was pretty big going into the game. Carolina got, you know, uh, they, 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 they got beaten on the board and, you know, Hubert Davis talked about emphasizing rebounding since that defeat. First of all, just having more of a presence, you know, um, getting second-chance opportunities, consistently getting our three, four, and five to the offensive glass every time, giving us multiple opportunities to be able to score. Defensively, I've been straightforward and direct in terms of wanting to be the best, have the best defensive rebounding percentage in the country, which means you have to box out and you have to limit teams in one shot every possession. And so we've got to do a better job of creating contact first, boxing out, and and um, being more active and, and getting those rebounds so that we can get out and transition on the offensive end. And so, you know, for us to be the best that we can be, I've told the team from day one, we've got to be a really good rebounding team. We've, we we have to be a good defensive team, and we've got to take care of basketball. And so those are things that we have talked about since um, since the UConn game. This was something that, um, you know, staple under Coach Williams. Carolina was, was routinely typically the best rebounding and offensive rebounding team in the country. This was something that, honestly, I thought – not that it would be de-emphasized, but I just thought with the way that Hubert Davis wants to play, it wasn't going to be as integral a part of what Carolina did because you see teams that play, you know, with with the four round one, they're good rebounding teams, but they're not dominant rebounding teams. Well, Hubert Davis wants to be dominant. 
Um, and we've talked about this since Carolina went to the small lineup. It, it put more of an emphasis on everybody else getting to the glass. And I think that's got to be the message is it's got to be a UNC rebounding game. It's got to be a team rebounding game. You know that Armando Baycott is going to get his fair share of rebounds. I think Harrison Ingram has done a really good job um, early on in the season contributing in that department. But kind of like what you saw from UConn, all five, all, I mean, all five of their players that are on the court at any given time impact the game in that department. And that's what Carolina needs. I mean, you're not saying that they got to all grab five, six, seven rebounds a game. There's got to be a commitment in that department where they're, you know, the, you, on the offensive end, you're going to the glass, making it, you know, picking up fouls, trying to get offensive rebounds, and then defensively, you're getting your, you know, you're 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 getting a body on somebody, getting you know, getting the position and, and not getting beaten over and over and over again. Um, and you know, I think it's a good sign that with as much change as we've seen from the program the last couple of years with more of a, of a, of a emphasis on the perimeter game, um, you know, that, that this, this is still something that's been a staple of the program under coach Smith, under coach Williams. And that continues, uh, right now with Hubert Davis. One more comment about the rebounding. Um, because he was asked about, you know, how are you working on the rebounding in the practice time that, that you've been allotted? And he said, yes, we're working on it in practice, but this will also impact playing time as the season moves along. Three parts. I mean, I think, one, there's drills that you can do. I think number two is you have to hold them accountable. If they don't do it, then... Um, are they running? Yeah. <laughs> yeah either either you're going to rebound or you're going to be in even better shape. We're going to run. And then the third piece is it'll affect playing time. It's very important to me. It's at the top of the list. Rebound, defend, and take care of the basketball. we got to rebound. And uh, we're going to find a group of guys that consistently want to rebound the basketball on both ends of the floor and be the best rebounding team that we can possibly become. Good time. You hear coaches talk a lot about accountability, um, but very rarely in today's world do you see coaches act on it because, you know, with NIL and the transfer portal, it's really hard to hold today's college athlete accountable. I do think, though, given that Carolina has gotten more depth, they're a little bit deeper this year than they've been his first two years, that this is something that's going to ring true for a guy like Cormac Ryan you know, if, if, if that guy's not rebounding, maybe he goes to the bench and puts in a Seth Trimble, puts in a Jalen Withers. On the flip side, if those guys that are coming off the bench, if they're not impacting the game in that department, maybe they won't get as much run. And maybe Hubert Davis, you know, refers back to his old methods of really playing his starters 36, 37, 38 minutes a night. Um, you know, you can teach the technique. Rebounding is a lot like defense. A lot of it is a is a is it's it's a mindset. It's an effort thing. Um, it's a want to thing. Um, you know, you, you, if you want to rebound the ball, you'll make a conscious effort to do so. And I think that's what basically is his message is here: is that if you're going to play for me, you've got to be committed in that department. Um, and that's a good sign because it makes it easier now if. 
someone isn't rebounding the ball if we wonder why they're sitting on the bench for an extended period of time. Um, and, you know, this is – I think this is something that, as Carolina fans, we should really monitor as the season moves along to really see if, if Huber Davis is a man of his word and if guys aren't rebounding the ball, is he is he going to sit them or is he going to give in and let them play? Um, I like to think that he's going to sit them because I don't think you'd be this adamant, this this forward about it if, if, you, if you weren't going to follow through uh, on the actual court. Well, that's enough of the rebounding talk. Um, you know, when we when when we previewed the game, we talked about the rivalry with Kentucky, what it means, um, you know, to, to each fan base and what it means to college basketball. Well, Hubert Davis was asked about what it means for the sport that these two giants are playing on a neutral floor in December. Well, it's all it's fun, and you know, it's it's great being able to compete. Um, um, against the better teams in the country, and you know, anytime that you get a chance to play against Kentucky and Coach Calipari, um, it's something to enjoy and something to take advantage of, and and have fun competing. And so, to be able to do it on Saturday um, in Atlanta, it'll it'll be packed and the atmosphere will be live, and that's exactly what you want as a player and as a competitor. And we're really excited about the challenge on Saturday afternoon. Simply put, college basketball needs these games, and they need more of them. Um, I'll always say that these games are better if they're played in Chapel Hill, if they're played in Lexington. But when you look at the college basketball schedule for Saturday, you're going to see Kansas in Bloomington at Indiana. That's really good for the sport. Two Blue Bloods playing a you know on-site game. Um, you know, that's with, with great history tradition on CBS as last week, CBS really launched off its, its college basketball coverage. You've got Arizona and Purdue meeting on a neutral floor, but albeit those are two teams with legitimate national title aspirations, two teams with kind of the same, you know, kind of in the same uh, boat where they're trying to get over the hump in March. They've both done as much as they can do in the regular season the last couple of years that hasn't translated into the NCAA tournament. That's good for college basketball. And then you got this game. As I mentioned, two of the three best programs arguably in the sport meeting on a neutral court in SEC country. So this might have more of a Kentucky feel to it, but this is what the sport needs. Um, and the, the, you know, these games need to be marketed. And what you're hoping in, 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 in return is that um, you get a great game. Like, if you get a game that we got in 2016, albeit it came in a Carolina loss, it's something that will lead off SportsCenter's coverage that night and will dominate the, you know, Twitter for uh, a, a period of time that in, in, in December still isn't college basketball season for the majority of people. It is for us. It is for Kentucky fans because college basketball is our way of life. It's our bloodline and our lifeline as sports fans, but... Um, you know, I, I never take these games for granted. You want to win these games as much as any other non-conference game that you play all season long because you know how important, you know how, you, you know, just, uh, you, you, you know how special these games are. And, um, you know, I think that's why we all get a little extra fired up when these two teams meet during the non-conference portion of the season. Speaking of the non-conference portion of the season, Carolina's in a gauntlet right now. 
um, where you 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 played Villanova, Arkansas, Tennessee. You dip out of non-conference play into ACC play against the Florida State team, and then you come back to three straight ranked opponents, including the defending national champion, the UConn Huskies. Now you've got Kentucky, and next week, right now you have undefeated Oklahoma on your schedule. And Coach Davis was asked if he likes the way that the non-conference schedule has fallen for his team in 2023-2024. I like it. I do. I think it's a great schedule. I think it's important for us to be tested and for us to find out who we are. And in the first nine games, we're 7-2. So... um, We've got two more games before Christmas break and then another stretch comes. And so I just don't remember. I, I, I've i had a number of people ask me that question in different ways. And I really, I, I don't, you ask me, do I remember? I do not remember a time where it was not a challenging schedule for North Carolina. Yeah, I, I, I got asked uh, earlier today on Sports Radio WFNZ on the Wesson Walker Show, you know, do I like this type of schedule? Um, and I said I like it a lot more when Carolina wins these games um, because, it, you know, it's talking about wins are a lot more fun talking about losses. But there's no denying that I'm in favor of this type of scheduling because even though the ACC isn't the best conference in the country, um, that's that's the Big 12 once again. It's still a really tough conference. It's a 20-game uh, conference schedule, and you want to be prepared, and you want to be battle-tested battle tested when you play some of these big-time programs, whether at home or away. And so I'll never, I'll never complain about a tough non-conference schedule. Um, you could argue that maybe a bit Carolina in the rear end last year, uh, because they didn't win enough of those quad one type of games to get them in the NCAA tournament. But I would argue that if Carolina wins those games and they're safely in the field and we're not, you know, we're not having the discussions that we had, you know, last March. And so um, this was something that when, when Hubert Davis got the job, I was intrigued as to how he was going to take his approach and what he was going to do with the schedule. Was he going to lighten it up? That hasn't been the case. You know, he said he had, doesn't remember a time where Carolina basketball didn't play a tough non-conference schedule, and it appears that as long as he's on the sidelines, that will be uh, that 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 same method. Uh, you know, that same practice will continue under his watch. A few more co- uh, quotes and comments from the head coach before we do get out of this edition of the podcast. We've talked a lot on here about the struggles that we've seen so far from Cormac Ryan shooting the basketball. Um, and we've really identified him as someone that needs to take his game to another level for this team to maybe reach their ultimate goals and dreams of winning an ACC regular season title, ACC tournament title, and making a trip to the Final Four. Well, Coach Davis talked about you know the, the, the shooting woes from the fifth-year senior and if he's worried about Cormac Ryan after a slow start to the season. There hasn't been anything, you know, from a structural fundamental standpoint that I would say um, is why um, he hadn't shot it as well as he would have liked it. I don't think it's in terms of shot selection, and I, I think it's impossible to be in a gym more than Cormac. Okay. And at the end of the day, for me, 
Um, the percentages always evened out. There were times where I shot the ball and I didn't make it, and there were times where I can close my eyes and I could throw it behind my back and it would swish and go in. And <laughs> those things happen. I think the thing you got to like here the most as a Carolina fan is, you know, Huber Davis, A, hasn't lost confidence in Cormac Ryan, and you the biggest reason why is the shot selection is where it needs to be. He's taking the right kind of perimeter shots. Um, they just simply haven't fallen through. I know Anthony mentioned maybe the ankle injury has played a part in it. Maybe he's not getting enough lift underneath the shot. Maybe he's pressing more than he needs to. Um, I, I do think by the time we get to March, he'll be shooting around that 37 38% that we expected him to shoot upon transferring in. And the thing you got to like about it the most, and this just shows you the type of the character that Cormac Ryan uh, possesses, is he hasn't let it impact his, you know, his ability to compete on the defensive end of the floor. He hasn't, you know, sh- you know, sunk his head and not been a good teammate and not cheered for others. He's still engaged. He's still competing at a high level, and he's finding other ways to impact the game. You saw some some nice uh, drives to the basket against UConn, drawing fouls and getting to the foul line. That's the best way for a shooter to to get out of a slump is to draw a foul get to the foul line and just see the ball go in the basket um, and in that way. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's fair to say we've all been disappointed in his slow start to the season, but I think there's reasons to still be encouraged um, as, as to the player that he's been his entire career and that we'll see that come to fruition in the Carolina Blue. The last guy that – or the last comment we're going to play from you from Coach Davis – um, he was asked about how Jalen Withers is continuing uh, his progression and integration to the team as he's seeking to make an impact off the bench. No, he's getting better every um, every day at practice. Like you know, what he brings to the table is something that nobody else on the team brings. He has size, athleticism, versatility. Um, from a defensive standpoint, he can guard one through five. He has that type of length and athleticism. You talk about getting better rebounding. He's somebody that can definitely help us in terms of, you know, rebounding the basketball. His uh, ability to run the floor, attack the basket, finishing transition, it's something that he brings that nobody else on the team can bring. And so, um, you know, he's a big piece of, of, of this team's success. And, um He's really working hard and getting better every day at practice. And as I said before, he is a huge piece for us to become the team that we want to become. I don't think there's any denying that he's the most important bench player for Carolina right now. And his growth, his development, his progression might play a big role in just how far this team ultimately goes this season. The defense has been inconsistent. But when he's defended at a high level, he takes Carolina to another tier on that end of the court. But he needs to provide some score, some, some sort of scoring punch for this team off the bench. You love what Seth Trimble can do for you as another ball handler. He's the best perimeter defender on, on this team despite being a bench player. Um, and is a big part of what Carolina does when they go to the full court press. And while his and while his you know his points per game have, have doubled from a year ago, it's still not his strong suit. It's still not his forte. 
He's a defensive player first that that that, that is going to seek easy and opportunistic offense for himself and for others. The same can be said about Jalen Withers, a defensive player first um, that can do a bunch of different things for Carolina defensively. But you saw in the in the first two games of the season that there's offensive skill there and that he can put the ball on the floor and get to the basket or that he can hit a mid-range jump shot. You know, we talked all summer that the hope and belief was that putting him around better players would lead to better perimeter shooting. We haven't seen that yet. The, 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 the shot isn't the problem. The shot looks good. It just hasn't gone in the basket, but... You know, Carolina's bench, it's deeper. It's more impactful than it's been the first two years under Hubert Davis. But, you know, if, if this team wants to realistically compete for an ACC regular season title, if they want to be a team that whenever we're filling out our brackets on Selection Sunday, we're putting them into the second weekend of the tournament and beyond, you've got to have bench production, in, you know, in the scoring column. And this is a guy that I think, um, needs to need, needs to take that next step and, and really validate why Carolina was aggressive going after him upon him entering the transfer portal and, and leaving Louisville. I'm confident in him because we've seen it. We we we've seen it. You know, we saw it in the in the preseason. We you know it, it, with the way that Huber Davis talked about him before he got the injury, and we saw it in the first couple games of the season that he is capable of scoring the ball in a multitude of different ways and you know if that you know if if, if 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 that's going to be a part of what Carolina gets from him I think it does take them to another level um it makes it easier to see this team competing against the best that the sport has to offer well that is going to wrap up guys this edition of the podcast before we let you go we do encourage you guys to visit the website that's heeltoughblog.com a lot of great content up on the site for you guys. More football news trickling out of the Keenan Center. Um, Connor Harrell spoke about a quarterback competition he'll be entering next year. More awards for Amari and Hampton, of course. More news and announcements in regards to the bowl game. Anthony has you covered on that. Of course, there will be a preview of the Kentucky game and a recap of the Kentucky game posted on the website as well. So make sure you're checking in to the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com. For the latest uh, Tar Heel basketball and Tar Heel football coverage. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always... Go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!